Those who imbibe the antidote that breaks the evil spell of sameness, the unexpectedly extraordinary, the uncommodified, always have the potential to be the most inspiring and influential in the world. Today we're going to continue to unearth and explore what over almost 30 years of research and interviews has revealed to me about 12 consistent characteristics that the most inspiring and the most influential people and mentors that I've ever had the honor to meet and partner with possessed and practiced on a regular basis. Get ready to drink once again the elixir of their insights and experience and be inspired and instructed by their philosophies and patterns. Get ready to become unstoppably proactive, undeniably present, and unguardedly passionate. Get ready to become uncommonly inspiring and influential. Welcome to the Uncommodified Podcast. Let's jump in. The uncommonly inspiring and influential are unstoppably proactive. The dictionary defines the term proactive as creating or controlling a situation by causing something to happen rather than responding to it after it has happened, acting in anticipation of future problems, needs, or changes. Here's what I noticed. Here's what I experienced. Here's what I benefited from when I worked with these unstoppably proactive people. They did love to create, and they most definitely love to control, but not in a manipulative way, but rather in a let-me-make-sure-we-all-get-where-we-need-to-go-together kind of way. They definitely didn't wait around, and sometimes they were very hard to find because if you weren't careful or if you weren't attentive, they may leave without you. They definitely did not wait to be told or have to be told to do something because they were real-life action heroes. They were real-life take action heroes. They were pros at action, at taking action, on deciding what strategic or next action to take and what action to model and inspire and influence themselves and others to take. They loved the preparation stage as well. This is what I noticed about them. They didn't just love doing it, but they loved preparing for action, getting themselves and those around them ready to do it. They clearly understood the recipe for success, and they knew it began with preparing all the ingredients to make it happen. As the author and speaker John Maxwell noted, if you are proactive, you focus on preparing. If you are reactive, he said, you end up focusing on repairing. And as the motivational speaker and self-development author Brian Tracy says, be a creator of circumstances rather than a creature of circumstances. Be proactive rather than reactive, he wrote. Time and time again, I saw them refuse to just settle for being reactive, but rather they focused on what I have come to call precautionary action or preemptive action that sets things in motion and sets the stage for their successful achievement of the goals and of the priorities that lead them and others to eat the good fruit and enjoy the good fortune of all their proactive hard work and effort. Like the winding of a watch, now I'm going to definitely show my age with this analogy, the action of winding the crown of a watch that sets in motion the mechanical advantage of the wheels and gears inside the watch. The movement of the hands on the watch is set in motion by the proactive and preemptive twisting of the watch's crown. One action releases the next one and the next one and so on. The uncommonly inspiring and influential These unstoppably proactive people understood and lived proactively inside the wisdom of the two circles that the author and speaker Stephen Covey promotes. 
what he calls the circle of concern and the circle of influence. The outside circle in his model, or the circle of concern, represents all the things in our lives, both personally and professionally, that affect us, but that we have absolutely no control over. Some examples of items that would fall into my circle of concern, for instance, would be things like weather, traffic, other people's decisions, other people's attitudes. That's just to name a few. The center circle is what Covey calls the circle of influence, which represents all the things in our lives, both personally and professionally, that we have absolute control over. Things like our attitude, uh, choices, things we say, our behavior, all fall within our circle of influence, absolutely under our control. In speaking about these two circles and their application, Covey says this, Reactive people fault others for their behavior or use their personality as an excuse. Proactive people, on the other hand, he said, proactive people accept accountability for their behavior, do their best to live in the circle of influence every day. Proactive people focus their efforts in the circle of influence. They work on the things they can do something about, the things they can control. And the nature of their energy, he said, is positive, expanding, and amplifying, causing their circle of influence to increase. Here's what I continually observed over and over again. These unstoppably proactive people were on the move within their circle of influence. The circle that they proactively and positively controlled and keeping up to them was my greatest challenge at times. The embarrassing truth was that most days that I spent with them, I was huffing and puffing just to keep up with them, even when sometimes they were twice my age. Retirement for the unstoppably proactive is just retiring their life vehicle with new tires so that they can get out of the garage and back on to the action highway. So here's my encouragement to you today. Like they did, let's become real take action heroes. Let's live in the center of the circle of influence and let's become unstoppably proactive right now. Secondly, for today's episode, or or number five of 12 in our series, if you're keeping track, people who are amazingly inspiring and influential, at least to me, were undeniably present. Here's what I noticed. As I analyzed and contemplated the consistent characteristics that these most inspiring and influential people and mentors had in common, I noted that they were all relentlessly focused on the present moment on the now, on right now, on on this very second, the present moment with themselves and others as the focus. The present moment, the now, the right now, they loved it and they lived in it. As I encountered them and interacted with them, even on their most hectic days, they gave me the powerful and transformational gift of their full attention. They listened. They looked me in the eye, right in the eye and well beyond my eye, they looked into my psyche and my soul. I can remember one specific experience, almost as if it was yesterday, when in the midst of the chaos of thwarted plans and frustrated outcomes, my mentor, that had become my friend, sat down with me under a large and ancient tree in Mozambique and allowed me to vent my frustrations, but then wisely, like that ancient tree, instructed and encouraged me in the ways of a culture and a people that I needed to see differently and to understand better and encounter more in the moment, not just for their sake, 
but actually much more for my own sake. Here's what I noticed. They never seemed to be too busy for me or for anyone else for that matter. But here was the paradox that I encountered in my experience with them. Their present moment fixation made them extremely effective and productive people today and even tomorrow. Their their present moment fixation seemed to set them up for greater productivity and success in the future. As the Dalai Lama so truthfully said, there are only two days in the year that nothing can be done. One is called yesterday and the other is called tomorrow. So today, he said, is the right day to love, believe, do, and mostly live. I came to understand and learn two powerful truths from them. Firstly, that their yes to the present moment, their yes to be present this very second with people, with me, and with themselves, was set up by their profound understanding of the very essence of time itself. They taught me to see time as a continuum and to understand that the majority of time, the past and the future, primarily and fundamentally exists in my mind and is far beyond my control. Only, only the present moment exists within my grasp. And the more I pay attention to the choices I make in the moment, this very moment will make all the difference. And secondly, I was instructed by my experience with them, and I came to understand and learn that their yes to the present moment, their yes to be present this very second with people, with me and with themselves, was also set up by their powerful choice and ability to say no, absolutely not, and then yes to something far better. Let me explain. They said no to lots of things, but most importantly, to three wicked forces, three wicked choices that I've come to understand will always, will always steal my present moment power and focus, the power and focus encapsulated in my choice to say yes to the better thing. Here's what I noticed and noted about them. When it came to the past, whether it was the general past of their life or the past of others and their experience, they said no to the absolutely wicked choice to blame. And yes, to the absolutely wonderful choice of learning from the past. They don't blame the past or live in the past. Even though all of these amazingly inspiring and influential people could find countless reasons or circumstances or even people to blame for why it sucks right now, they didn't. They chose not to. Even when they were the main cause of their past pain, the author and the starring villain of their own story, they chose not to just blame themselves either. They said no in the present moment, right now, to the absolutely wicked choice to blame the past, but instead they said yes, yes to the wonderfully amazing choice of learning from the past and carrying and converting that learning into the present moment and activating that learning into wisdom and action for themselves and others right now. When it came to the future, they said no to the absolutely wicked choice to worry and yes to the amazingly wonderful choice of planning. They, this is what I noticed about them. They, they don't fret and worry about the future. They know that all the fretting in the world will not fix and change what you need today to positively affect the future. They know that all the fretting today will only affix more profound pain to you, more stress to you, more strain to you today. 
and that when you curl up into the fetal position of fret and worry, that it will keep you from doing what you need to do today to potentially and positively affect the future. They know that the answer to the rhetorical biblical question of who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life is absolutely no one. They said no in the present moment, right now also, right now, to the absolute wicked choice to worry about the future they could not control. But instead, they said yes, yes to the amazingly wonderful choice, well within their control, within their circle of influence, of planning and strategizing today, right now. And yes, to focus their attention and energy on executing their plans and strategies in the present moment as they move into and create the future they envisioned and planned to create. Now, when it came to the present moment, they said no to the absolutely wicked choice to procrastinate. And this is a fascinating one. And they said yes to the amazingly wonderful choice of doing it right now. They understood this. They understood that the dictionary defines procrastination as the absolutely harmful choice to put off intentionally and habitually the doing of something that should be done or must be done. And that this behavior is not only unhelpful and harmful, it is the most value-corroding and value-eroding thing you can do, or rather not do, today. They know that anyone who with some sense of misplaced pride announces to themselves and others that I am a procrastinator needs to understand the origins of this most evil word and evil behavior. Here's what they need to understand. English speakers borrowed the word in the 16th century from the Latin word procrastinatus, which evolved from the prefix pro meaning forward and crastinus meaning of tomorrow. Like its evil synonyms delay, lag, loiter, dawdle, and delay, procrastinate means to move or act slowly so as to fall behind. Historically, It was understood to mean purposeful delay, especially through laziness or apathy. So maybe next time you're compelled to announce your rather evil propensity for procrastination, your purposeful delay, especially through your laziness or apathy, you should sit down, shut up, and start doing what you know you should have done two minutes ago, two hours ago, two days ago, two months ago, and maybe even two years ago. Here's what I noticed about these most influential and inspiring people. They said no in the present moment right now to the absolutely wicked choice to procrastinate, to intentionally and habitually put off doing of something that should be done, even must be done to deliver real value. But instead they said yes, yes to the absolutely wonderful choice to just do it right now, to get off your ass and on it right now. On it right now, like my friend and colleague from Kentucky says, like a coyote and a crippled chicken, and to stop saying you're trying to do it when you really are not at all. And also when it came to the present moment, they also said no to the absolutely wicked myth of multitasking, and yes to the amazingly wonderful choice of doing one thing well at a time. Years before, and for some of them decades before, Nancy Napier wrote a blog entitled Think You Can Multitask, Well, Think Again, in 2014, and you can find that blog online at psychologytoday.com. The most inspiring and influential people and mentors to me preached and practiced what Nancy wrote. Here's an excerpt from her excellent little blog post. 
Think you're good at doing several things at once, she asked as a question to start the blog. Reading and listening to music, driving and talking on the phone, hands-free, of course, she says, or texting while sitting in a meeting. Think again. Research in neuroscience tells us that the brain doesn't really do tasks simultaneously, as we thought or hoped it might. In fact, we just switch tasks quickly. Each time we move from hearing music to writing a text or talking to someone, there is a stop-start process that goes on in the brain. She goes on to write that start-stop-start process is rough on us. It's rough on our brains. Rather than saving time, it costs time. Even very small microseconds. It's less efficient. We make more mistakes. And over time, it can sap our energy. So here's what she said. The next time you think you're multitasking, stop and be aware that you're really task-switching. Then give yourself a time limit, 10 minutes or 45 minutes, and focus on just one task and see if you can't complete it better, faster, and with less energy expended. The truly inspiring and influential understand and live fully within the wisdom that Rob Bell proposed in his book entitled How to Be Here, A Guide to Creating a Life Worth Living. When Rob so wisely penned, or probably more likely typed or dictated, this, at any moment in the day, you can only do one thing at a time, he said. And the more intentional you are about knowing what your one is, the more present you will be. The truly inspiring and influential said no in the present moment, right now, to the absolutely wicked choice to think they could outsmart and outwork their own neuroscience and do two things well at the same time. But instead, they said yes. Yes to the amazingly wonderful choice to do one thing well right now and then move on to the next one thing. To sum all this up, this is what they taught me about being more present, more here, more, more living in the right now. They taught me this. They taught me to not fret and worry about the future and certainly not to waste the time, my time or the time of others. Why? Because time is a daily diminishing resource and all actions that produce success happen right now, right now. They encouraged me to catalyze my attention and the attention of others to the positive and productive actions of learning from the past, planning for the future and doing it right now. All of which, all of which are present moment disciplines and activities and actions that have magical power. They taught me that those actions help us contextualize and be guided by the past, give us more positive influence over the future, and allow us to squeeze every ounce of productivity out of the present moment, the microsecond we live in and breathe in. And at the end of the day, at the end of this day, the end, this day that you and I will never see or have again, our preferred future articulated in our personal or corporate mission and vision documents are only possible if we do today, right now, this very second, what is required to call the future into this present moment. So here's my advice to you. Get on it like a coyote on a crippled chicken and become undeniably present right now. And lastly, at least for today's episodes, the uncommonly inspiring and influential were unguardedly passionate. All of them, every one of them, moved with and were animated by the passionate expression of their unique homo sapien self. I found them to be contagiously passionate. They felt things deeply, and their passion moved them, and it moved others. They were not afraid to show emotion, particularly positive and encouraging emotion. They laughed heartily at themselves and with others. They cried and sometimes you even saw their tears of joy or sadness. They got frustrated. They got angry, but they got angry at problems that stood in their way. And particularly, they got angry at injustice. 
They even raised their fist. They, they shouted and raised their voice, and they raised their glass when they saw you win. They were real believers, true believers. They really believe, and they're not afraid to show it. And everyone around them sees that belief and knows it. They believe in themselves. They believe in other people. They, they believe in ideas. They believe in process. They, they believed in their products that they sold if they sold products. And they believed that really hard work will create more and better results. They love, and they were not afraid to show it. Even though some of them didn't really show it, everyone around them felt it and knew it. They loved things. They loved people, ideas, processes. They loved their products that they sold. And they even love and are passionate about the hard work required to align all these to create more and better results. They are heartfelt people. They're sincere. They were sincere. And you felt their heart and you felt their sincerity when you encountered them. They showed heart and they touched hearts and they got to the heart of the matter. The fire of their passion was contagious. It is contagious. And they share their fire and start fires under and within themselves and others. They really know why they do what they do, and that's where their passion comes from. And they help others discover and connect their personal why with the collective why. Ultimately, they had discovered the secret that true passion is the fuel that will ignite the actions that success demands and requires. They are fire starters and fire stokers, and they start and stoke the fire within themselves first, and as they burn bright, their spark starts and stokes the fire of others. They were like rocket fuel. They ignited and excited. They were catalytic, and they were catalysts. Many times, many times over the years, I'd gotten off a plane after 21 hours of travel, smelling like fatigue, lacking the fiery passion that my trip and my work would demand of me. But after just five minutes, or maybe even just five seconds, basking in the fiery glow of my unguardedly passionate host in the back of a Jeep on a potholed outback road, I found my passion again, and I was set ablaze once more for the work I was about to do. So here's my encouragement to you. Go ahead, love more, and don't be afraid to show it. Let your guard down and get unguardedly passionate and become uncommonly inspiring and influential. Do it right now. Okay, now that, that's it for today's episode. We'll cover off the final six characteristics that we're going to explore together in the next two episodes. But now it's time again to uncage all of what we talked about today with some magnificent questions. Questions that will incite and inspire you to get unstoppably proactive, undeniably present, and unguardedly passionate. Over the next few days, contemplate these questions that will challenge you to get all these ideas and insights out of your mind and into your everyday life. So, here's some questions for you to consider, and there's, there's more questions today that I want to ask you than I typically would, so please listen carefully. Number one, are you more reactive or proactive? And why do you believe this to be true, whatever your answer is? And then the follow-up to that is, ask someone else's opinion about this as well. Number two, if you are being reactive, what behavior are you exhibiting? And how might that be negatively affecting you and others? Number three, how will you change those negative reactions into positive, productive ones? Number four, which circle do you move in more? The circle of influence or the circle of concern? 
As a follow-up, do you like your answer to this question? And if not, what are you going to do about that this week? Five, when it comes to the past or your past, are you saying no to the absolutely wicked choice to blame? And if not, what are you blaming and how will you address this negative behavior? Number six, what have you learned from your past that you need to remind yourself about and teach others? Number seven, when it comes to the future, are you saying no to the absolutely wicked choice to worry? If not, what are you worrying and fretting about and how will you address this negative behavior? Number eight, what planning are you doing for the future? What else do you need to plan for that you're not currently addressing? Number nine, when it comes to the present moment, are you saying no to the absolutely wicked choice to procrastinate? And if not, what are you going to stop procrastinating about and just do it now? 10. When it comes to this present moment, are you saying no to the absolutely wicked myth of multitasking? And if not, what task will you isolate and focus on this week and get it done well? Number 11. What new fire do you need to start in your life this week? As a follow-up, what will be the positive outcome when you do that? Number 12, what old fire do you need to stoke this week in your life? And what will be the positive outcome when you do that? 13, how will you be a fire starter and fire stoker this week for others? Whose fire will you stoke? How will you light them on fire? And what will be the positive outcome when you do that? And lastly, what exceptional, what extraordinary and uncommodified action will you take this week to break the spell of sameness? Thanks for listening in today. If you have not subscribed to the Uncommodified podcast yet, do it today. Do it right now. And please rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen on. That would be so helpful to help us spread the word. Now it's time for you to own what you heard today and get it out of your head and activate it in your life. And when you do, email me at tim at theuncommodified.com and connect with me on social media and tell me how you are uncommodifying yourself and standing out for all the right reasons in a very crowded world.